Greetings, everyone, and welcome to uh, the Universal Freemason Podcast. Once again, I am your host, J.T. Asher. I'm president and founder of the Universal Freemason Research Society, which is a nonprofit educational organization. Uh, We teach esoteric and Masonic philosophies to the masses, and the masses and all who are interested in uh, learning esoteric and uh, Masonic philosophies, and we do that as a means to improve society. <laughs> so uh, no matter who you are or what you believe in or what you don't believe in, uh, no matter your pronoun, you are welcome and you are safe here. <laughs> okay, I. how many times have I said that intro and how many times have you had to listen to it, right? <laughs> so, hey, uh Welcome back, and I'm I'm glad to be back after some time to enjoy the holidays. I uh, um, I've got some news and some new ideals um, to report, so uh, I want to get started uh, right away. Um, and uh, let's talk first about uh, a few episodes ago. Um, I mentioned that. We were going to take a more esoteric turn into the uh, esoteric meanings and ideals of Freemasonry and the and the esoteric roots from which uh, Freemasonry uh, grows from, and as a means of uh, researching more esoteric ideals, I uh, did a search for some some new authors that maybe I hadn't heard of yet. And right away, uh, one of the, one of the, uh, results of my, of my little internet search. And basically I, I typed in esoteric authors. (laughs) So that's how hard it was. Right. Um, and one of the uh, results that came back was an author. Uh, his name is, um, uh, John Michael Greer, and um, John Michael Greer, I actually uh, came across after the search, and they, they listed his books. Uh, he's he's an author to many many books, uh, both fiction and nonfiction books, and a lot of esoteric uh, books and occult books. And one of the books that uh, came across in the search that he wrote is called uh, the occult book, and that was interesting enough. I'm like, huh? Well, that'd be interesting, right? So, I I uh, went to my local library and actually uh, f- found uh, the book in in my local library here, and it's called the occult book. And what the occult book is by John Michael Greer, uh, it is. And I hope he doesn't mind me comparing it to. Um, it is akin to um, Manly P. Hall's uh, The Secret Teachings of All Ages. And what John Michael Greer does with the occult book is he starts in chronological order as, as, as best as you know we possibly can to the first occult practices all the way to modern day. 
and it's very well illustrated. It's very well, uh, the cover is something that, you know, you'd want to keep as almost an heirloom. <laughs> uh, it, it's imprinted very, very nicely with some, uh, some gold ink and, and, and indentations. So it's like, you know, it's, one of those books that just feels good to hold and as as you as you open the pages he explains exactly what occult philosophy is and what occult means which uh John Michael Greer writes that you know the occult actually it just means hidden <laughs> and he goes on to explain that when you uh when you study these philosophies you're not studying anything uh, you know, uh, what people would like to tell you is satanic or devil worship or anything like that. And it really isn't. Um, you're studying just hidden knowledge, things that have uh, that have been uh, put aside for, uh, you know, either tens of years or hundreds of years, thousands of years in some cases. And he uh, very... Uh, clearly defines each step along the way chronologically in short, concise chapters, as I mentioned, with some really great illustrations. So if you ever, if you're interested in, in esoteric and occult philosophies, I would say that uh, next to the secret teachings of all ages, John Michael Greer's The Occult Book uh, is for you. And I would highly recommend, uh, you know, either buy it or uh, go to your local library and borrow it. Um, well, you know, you paid for it as a taxpayer to begin with, so may as well make use of your library. And, uh, uh, you know, go get it and check it out. It's uh, extremely fascinating. And so I decided, well, you know, what else does John Michael Greer have? And... and and at the time, frankly, I wasn't even aware that he was still a living author. And so uh, I went, I did a little more research, found out, lo and behold, he's a living author. I can't, couldn't believe it. And um, has a uh, has a, a a blog that he frequently writes in, and. Uh, I was impressed by that. I went to his blog, and it's uh, I'm going to get this wrong because I didn't write down the dot part, but it's um, Ecosophia, I think it's dot net. But uh, check if you just put in E C O S O P H I A and uh, try, you know, dot something, <laughs> you will. And I and I flubbed that one. I'm sorry. Um, you will you will find it. And it, you will find it interesting. There's also a bookstore um, there that is that you can um, that you can buy more of John Michael Greer's books. And so, you know, before I uh, did this podcast, I reached out to to John Michael Greer and um, uh, uh, via LinkedIn, and I sent him a message, and I I let him know who I was. And I asked him, you know, to if it was okay that I, any living author, I'll do this, by the way. When I was talking about Tamara Luce's uh, book, um, 
making the ordinary extraordinary about her time with Manly P. Hall and uh, and the uh, Philosophical Research Society. Um, I reached out to her via Twitter, you know, and and asked, you know, hey, uh, who I am, and do you mind if I talk about your book on my podcast? Um, same with John Michael Greer. I reached out. He was very, uh, very affable and very, uh, you know, uh, I expected to uh, not have much of a conversation with with him uh, as you do with people who are well-known authors and things like that. But he was actually very kind and very affable and uh, and let me know that it would be great. He was great if I you know, quoted or talked about his books just so long as if I quoted to make sure that I, as I always would, to make sure that I gave due credit and things like that. Um, so as I was was uh, corresponding with him via LinkedIn, I, at that point, I had on order uh, two other books. And it uh, the other book is called, um, the other two books are called, the Way of the Golden Section, in parentheses, is a manual of occult training. And I also uh, had on order the Occult Philosophy Workbook. And also, uh, along with, uh, with that, uh, well, let me back up. So I ordered those two books. Um, and what the occult, what the golden section, the way of the golden section is, a manual of occult training, is it teaches uh, the reader uh, basically how to be more in tune with their intuition. And it asks you, there are certain exercises and stretching you do. Um, the solar plexus comes into play um, as uh as the second mind, we have our mind that's in our head, and then there's the mind in your uh, behind your solar plexus. And the trick is, when you're dealing with uh, trying to be more intuitive, you're trying to get these two minds to uh, simultaneously be uh, talking to one another. Now, uh, a couple of years ago. After some research, of, uh, of, you know, of my own self and why I was feeling certain ways about things and around people, um, I discovered that um, I myself was an empath, and I really pick up on everyone's energies around me. And this can be taxing uh, if you don't know how to protect yourself from that. And for uh, you can feel everything in a room that you know that people are feeling <laughs> and it can get very tiring very quickly uh especially when you're around people that may or may not uh like you or have good opinions of who you are and you start to feel it and it starts to cause you to have panic attacks and it starts to cause you to be uh, subject to having depression and one of the wonderful things about uh, reading John Michael Greer's uh, book, um, The Way of the Golden Section, is it teaches you how to uh, perform a spear of protection um, a ceremony um, that protects you from psychic uh, uh, elements and protects you from things that aren't 
good for you, especially if you are extremely sensitive to to the uh, to how the energies of people and things around you. <clears throat> Since I've been doing that ceremony, um, it has really helped me to feel more empowered, and I feel a lot less of. Uh, for lack of better words, you know, the psychic mumbo-jumbo that is around you uh, and the, the energy that people are are either in, in your immediate space or spaces away from you. If you're an empath, you're really sensitive to that and it really comes at you. And with the doing the uh, spear of protection uh, ritual, I'm able to not feel that so much anymore. And so I was really grateful for that. Um, the occult philosophy workbook that goes, and actually it goes along with the golden, the way of the golden section, um, is a daily means for a person that is trying to get in contact with their intuitive mind um, and trying to get their two minds, the one in your head and the one in your solar plexus, to talk to each other. The Occult Philosophy Workbook is a good means uh, to, on a daily basis, or actually on a weekly basis, really. Um, actually, it's a weekly basis. My, uh, my, my apologies there. So on a weekly basis, you do these sets of exercises and you do sets of uh, affirmations. And this helps you to be more in tune with your intuitive spirit. And also, you're more in tune with each plane that you actually exist on. Um, and as part, of, uh, as part of these books... One of the things that um, you do to help with your intuitive nature and to bring it to the forefront is you do a daily divination. And the daily divination is uh, important uh, because it gets you in a routine of being open to um, your intuition. And uh, John Michael Greer also has created uh, the... Um, uh, the Sacred Geometry Oracle and workbook that comes with that. And uh, well, what you do is basically, you know, you, you choose three cards. One represents you, uh, one represents the, uh, the situation, and one represents the outcome. And in the morning before you take off to work, you, you can ask a question in your head and get yourself in a meditative sort of state. Get ready for the day. Draw the three cards, and um, it's and write down what you've drawn, and then pay attention during the day of of you know what what has occurred. And it's interesting to me that in doing the daily divination, um, how much uh, of what actually happens in my daily life. I become more aware thanks to the daily divination of, you know, of this might have been in play before the day even started. <laughs> so, um, and it's been very helpful for me uh, doing the rituals in the, in the way of the golden section, uh, doing the weekly practices in the occult philosophy workbook, 
and also uh, the daily divination. It has been very helpful for me as an empath and someone that is very sensitive to these psychic energies that people have around them. Uh, it's been very helpful for, for me to not be as depressed, not have the, the panic attacks and, um, you know, and really to feel less what uh, the, the negative energies that have been around me for quite some time. Uh, and I've covered some of some of what's gone on in my personal life, you know, with my career and everything else with what's gone on. And it's really over time, it takes a toll, especially when you can feel the negativity of that, you know, as seems to be around. So, uh, so I highly recommend if you're interested in esoteric uh, ideals and practicing esoteric uh, philosophy. Uh, it co and as I say, it's nothing evil or, or nothing that that should be uh, against anyone's religious practices. Here, John Michael Greer makes it very clear in his books that uh, it's not against any of uh, anyone's practices. It would only enhance them. And that's what I've been saying also about Freemasonry for quite some time. So highly recommended. This is an unpaid uh, recommendation. I I really uh, enjoyed his, uh, so far. I'm enjoying his books and the practices therein, and I thought I would share it and uh, and and uh, hopefully this you know look into it and hopefully it could uh, help you as well. Okay, and uh, so uh, the next order, uh, I guess, of business here <laughs> is I want to talk to you guys a little bit about um, uh, subscriptions uh, for the podcast. Now, um, this is an opportunity that's come come about. Uh, just remember, I want to say this. All of my podcast episodes will continue to be free. I think I've made one podcast um, uh, a subscription option so far, and I intend, and actually I don't just intend, I promise you, all of the podcast episodes that you get here are going to continue to be to be free of charge with, well, of course, with the ad from Anchor Podcast app, uh, which helps us to uh, pay our business license every year of a uh, of, of about ten to fifteen dollars um and uh, we're thankful for that opportunity to have the ad uh with the subscription uh opportunity that i'll offer i'm going to put it at the lowest price possible uh which is uh forty five cents a month and what what that will uh, get you is if you decide to subscribe and it's totally up to you 45 cents a month will get you uh podcast episodes uh that will be subscriber only that i will do in addition to the podcast we already get uh, that you already get and what the second podcast episode will do what the uh will uh, we can go more in depth um and it'll probably run about, you know, these podcasts run anywhere from uh, half an hour to an hour long. This one today is going to run about an hour. 
um, or maybe 45 minutes. But the secondary podcast will be about 10 minutes long. I might, uh, what I'll probably, uh, what we will do is go in a little bit more depth about some symbolism and things that we might talk about and uh, things like that. Also, um, when I don't do uh, the 10 minute uh, enhancer, I'll call it, we will, I, I will send li- a link out to the subscribers to uh, a uh, to a site um, where you will be able to see some things from um, my uh, museum here that I have. I have a lot of uh, Masonic antiques, and I have a lot of Masonic uh, books that where the copyright has uh, run out, or there's no copyright to begin with. Um, and I'll be able to uh, uh, to scan and post that on some links and. Uh, also, I will have uh, giveaways uh, that I will do occasionally um, and and things like that. So for about uh, $5.40 a year, uh, you know, you'll have that opportunity to have an enhanced version of the podcast. So uh, as I say, I told you uh, all in the past, I was never going to ask you for money. That continues to be the truth. What I am at offering you is a little bit of enhancement uh, for a little bit of money. Now, um, as a nonprofit, what we would do with with any uh, subscription money would be to put it right back in, of course, into the organization. And what I'm the plan is is to uh, make the studio a little bit more soundproof. Uh, get a little bit better uh, microphone equipment and mixer and, and things like that, um, just to enhance the podcast some, and uh, also to purchase um, more educational materials for us, um, so that um, that's not coming out of you know my own pocket. It would be things that I re- you know I'd be able to share. Um, so no one's trying to get rich here. Um, I'm offering an, an enhancement. And uh, which would also uh, enhance the educational material that we would be able to purchase. Okay, so uh, if you're good with that, um, look for a link of at this uh, d- episode description where you, when when you would uh, click on to the uh, description for our episode today. Um, just look for that link. Click on the link, and uh, you'll be able to. Uh, uh, to pledge your uh, your money there, okay? Uh, if not, I understand things are tight. If I get no subscribers, that's fine. We're going to continue to do our work. So, um, okay. Uh, with that, uh, we'll now take a short break and uh, to hear from a word from our sponsor, Anchor Podcast App. And uh, m- maybe it's our very own. I don't know if anyone else is doing it. But maybe our very own moment of goat that we have on about every episode, <laughs> and I love the moment of goat. Um, uh, so, when I come back, we're going to talk about uh, the symbolism uh, of the stones, and, and no, not those stones. But we're going to talk about the symbolism in Freemasonry uh, about the rough and the perfect ashlars, and uh, we're going to go a little bit deeper into that and we're going to talk about what kind of stone material uh, are you and what kind of stone material am i (laughs) okay Uh, this is the universal freemason podcast 
I will be right back. Okay, and I am back, and welcome back. Um, and I, I got to tell you, I'm disappointed. Uh, I think our moment of GOAT is over. Uh, I, I couldn't find the uh, GOAT sound on my uh, Anchor podcast app uh, settings anymore. <laughs> so we're going to have to come up with something else, right? <laughs> so my apologies. Um, I did not know that that was removed. Um, I also, uh, as I always do at this point of the podcast, I want to thank you all for almost, uh, 18,000 plays of this quaint little, uh, podcast here. Uh, I continue to be humbled and blown away by your undying interest. And, uh, I, <laughs> your support has, um, really meant a lot to me. And I thank you. Um, our last uh, podcast episode, uh, I checked my the numbers just before I, I uh, started to produce this podcast. Um, this episode uh, was 602 plays. Um, that's for our very last one. So uh, much appreciation. Thank you. It makes it very worthwhile that you're there. I wouldn't do it if, if uh, you weren't there. And your energy really helps to float uh, this quaint little podcast along. Thank you so much. Uh, sincerely. Okay. Uh, in Freemasonry and very early on in, in the first degree, the initiate is introduced to uh, two stones that are set up in, a, in the lodge room. And uh, we Freemasons refer to these stones as um, the ashlars. A-S-H-L-A-R-S. It's almost like my last name, but different. <laughs> um, and so one of these stones are out of square, and it looks like it had just been pulled from the ground or the quarry and set aside. And so picture yourself basically a stone that you can hold in your hand uh, a rock that you can hold in your hand. It doesn't have, it's, in the lodge room, it's not very heavy. It's usually not very, not very big. Um, and, you know, it's not square at all on either side. Maybe a little bit on the bottom so it can sit there. But, you know, just picture yourself a stone. No work on it has yet been done. And next to that, you'll have an, another another stone uh, that's squared and smooth on all sides. Um, imagine, if you will, in that same case, um, you, you know, hold it in your hand like a building block and that you would imagine, you know, playing with as a kid, bigger, <laughs> heavier. Um, and usually in a lodge room, you'll have, uh, it'll be square on all sides except for one side, uh, sometimes, uh, if the lodge is, you know, has some, some money, you know, or some means to make it, but, um, you'll see engraved on that, uh, a square and compass a lot of times. Okay. So, um, otherwise, you know, you'll see just a square stone and so imagine if you will, and those two stones are called, uh, the, uh, the rough and the perfect Ashlar. Now, uh, these stones 
our representation of the human being and the human condition, uh, or you could even say of society. Uh, so we'll start with the rough ashlar. And uh, the rough ashlar represents where most of us are in our lives currently. So if you've ever heard the term, you know, that guy's a little rough around the edges, right? Uh, that's That term actually derives from Freemasonry, and it's describing the rough ashlar, or us, or society, or, uh, uh, you know, or the condition in which we live as humanity. Um, and I'll come back to this in a minute. Uh, and then we have... Next to that is uh, what we call the perfect ashlar, and that's the cubicle stone. That's the that's the cornerstone, and that represents uh, what most of us desire to become, and what Freemasons hope for a society uh, to become, which is a, a perfect society where we all uh, get along, and. Uh, where we have perfect understanding of one another, uh, perfect harmony, perfect laws, things that we can build something better upon is what that stone uh, represents. And um, I'm going to read from Morals and Dogma right now, uh, chapter one, in my edition that I have, which is a very old edition with yellow pages, <laughs> I bought this quite some time ago from uh, eBay, and uh, I'm glad I'm glad I did. It's one of my, uh, of course, my favorite books. And we're, uh, so this is from uh, page five, chapter one, and Albert Pike writes this, um, basically what I just said: the rough ashlar uh, is the people as a mass. Rude and unorganized. The perfect ashlar, or cubicle stone, is a symbol of perfection. It is the state, the rulers deriving their powers from the consent of the governed. The constitution and laws speaking the will of the people. The government harmonious, symmetrical, efficient, its powers properly distributed, and duly adjusted in equilibrium. Boy, wouldn't that be nice if we had that in our governments today, right? <laughs> and then uh, on this same page, page five, or chapter one, uh, Albert Pike actually has an illustration, and it's an illustration of a of exactly what he just described: it's a, the the cubicle stone square on all sides. And he goes on to uh, uh, to describe to describe this stone as this. If we delineate a cube on a plane surface thus, we have visible three faces and nine external lines drawn between seven points. The complete cube has three more faces making six, three more lines making twelve, and one more point making eight, as the number twelve includes the sacred numbers three five, seven, and three times three or not, or nine, and is produced by adding the sacred number three to nine, while its own two figures, one, two, the unit or monad and duad added together, make the same sacred number three. It is called the perfect number. 
And the cube becomes the symbol of perfection, produced by force, acting by rule, hammered in accordance with lines measured by the gauge out of the rough ashlar. It is, it is an appropriate symbol of the force of the people, expressed as the constitution and law of the state, and the state itself. The three visible faces represent the three departments, the executive, which executes the laws, the legislative, which makes the laws, and the judiciary, which interprets the laws, applies and enforces them between man and man between the state and the citizens. Uh, the three visible faces are liberty, equality, and fraternity. The threefold soul of the state, its vitality, spirit, and intellect. Now, what you have there is basically, so where are we? <laughs> I mean, in our, in our uh, dealings today, when we talk about governance, where exactly are we? Yes, we want it to be perfect. We want it to uh, be f uh, mindful of liberty, fraternity, uh, and uh, uh, e equality. Uh, we want it to be mindful of uh, three equal branches. Uh, but yet, we're in a spot now where in society we do not have that. So what we have basically is the rough ashlar still continuing to be uh, hammered into uh, the perfect ashlar. And that is also representative of you and I. That is where our state of mind is as well. Um, the Freemason looks at the rough ashlar and sees themselves and says to themselves, this is who we are. Uh, we are continuously learning and growing. Uh, we're going to use the, the hammer and the gauge, and we're going to make ourselves more perfect if it kills us, damn it. And we're going to do it. We're going to do it someday. Um, but for most of us, um, that day is never going to come to, to fruition uh, for perfection because we are, that's the other thing that we have to remember is we are only human after all, and we are going to make mistakes, and nothing is in perfection so long as we are in our human form. Uh, and in the, uh, um, what Gnostics would tell you in the, in the creation that was done in imperfection to begin with. Um, but we can strive for it. We know we have the spark of light inside of us that knows that we can achieve it someday. Someday, either in this body or without it, we're going to achieve our perfection. And wouldn't that be a glorious, wonderful day if we had a perfect society where we all understood each other, uh, where we all had perfect, lived in perfect harmony and had perfect laws to rule uh, society with? That is the dream of the Freemason, and that is what we Freemasons are introduced to right away in our first degree. Unfortunately, um, a, lot of, a lot of us forget that that is what we're striving for, and instead we're uh, chasing positions in the lodge. <laughs> and so we have to remember, uh, as Manly P. Hall wrote in, uh, uh, in The Lost Keys of Freemasonry, uh, 
our lodge room is the universe. It is what we do outside of the four walls of the, the Masonic temple. Uh, we are here to affect change, to be change, and to uh, ensure that change happens for the better uh, for society in our own little ways. <laughs> and each of us have a different calling to hope, hopefully, hopefully make that um, happen. Um, and we must never forget that it is what we desire, a perfect society where we all get along. We can't, humanity cannot continue this way, nitpicking at one another. We just cannot do it. But hey, we've done it for centuries, haven't we? But um, it seems like that someday this has to change. Okay, and with that, my name is J.T. Asher. I am your host and the president and founder of the Universal Freemason Research Society. I appreciate your time here, and I thank you, thank you wholeheartedly for being here. Uh, until next time, this has been the Universal Freemason Podcast. Go in peace, so mote it be.